I want us to go to, to the book of Romans, if you would. Let's start there, and uh, let's begin our, our discussion from the book of Romans. There's a lot of error that has been taught about this subject, uh, especially where we are here in this city. Again, we've had wonderful prayer meetings throughout this, this week, and this is a season of prayer for us. I felt led of the Lord, or, or sense that we should teach on prayer, that it should be the theme until God changes the direction that I think we should go. And uh, we've, we've called it the church and prayer, or the pray, prayer in the church. And we've subtitled it with different things that we've talked about. We've been talking about souls and harvest. But I want to talk about praying in the Spirit this morning because I really believe that's where the Lord is. Now this morning, you're at Romans chapter 8. Turn over in your Bible to Romans chapter 8. And I want to start with the 14th verse. Romans chapter 8 verse 14. Now this morning is teaching morning. I don't expect you to run, jump, and holler, and flip this morning. But I do expect you to get something deep. I hope. And if it's not deep, at least it'll be something you can grow by. Now the word says this. You know that the sincere milk is how we grow. A lot of people want to learn things that, you know, uh, the, the, the quote, deeper things. I've heard that a lot. And yet they can't pay their bills. And yet they don't, they're, they're bad credit. Uh, uh, they have sorry tongues. They have hate in their heart. And all these things, they're worried about the deeper things. Well, how about you get the shallow thing? <clears throat> how about we learn to go to church, pay our tithes, honor the pastor, those, you know, those kinds of things. I know that may seem foreign to some and might seem like it's not the deeper thing, but, you know, until you get that, maybe you ought to try and get that first. So anyway, I want to, to, to just teach you what I believe is in the Word. And so, Romans 8, 14 says this. For as many as are led, say led, by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Let's say that again. Read it with me. Starting one, two, three. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Now, if you don't know this, you should know it. The Bible has various ways of indicating information to us. If you look, sometimes you'll see references given to us different ways so that we can understand the Scripture. Now, when I look at this, I should notice that that big S on Spirit is telling me something. If you, there's two ways the Bible shows us what it means regarding the Spirit. If it's a little S, it means one thing. If it's a big S, it means another. Now, you may not know that, but big S in the Bible indicates Holy Spirit. Little s in the Bible indicates your spirit. Now, according to this scripture, it says that for as many. Say, as many. Now, now notice that didn't limit it to some. Some. There are a lot of teaching out there that limits the Holy Spirit, the move of the Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit to some. And not to others, as if God is a respecter of person. But see, God is no respecter of person. God is, he said he's not a respecter of person. What does that mean? It means that he doesn't love anybody more than he loves me, and he doesn't love me any more than he loves anybody else. And there's nothing that he wouldn't do for you that he won't do for me, and there's nothing he will do for me that he won't do for you. He's the same God to you as he is to me. Now, we hear people talk about it as if there was a day of 
or a time of events or things that happen. And yet, that cannot be true because that would mean God would have something for them he wouldn't have for me. That would show respect towards them and not towards me. Would you agree with that? Now, here the scripture says, Romans 8 tells us, 14 says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. You agree with that? It's in the Word, right? Now, as a son of God, we're going to be treated like the children of God. And so, how can I know God? Well, how do I know I'm saved? Let's start with that one. How does a person know that they're saved? Is it because they walk the aisle? Is it because they had goosebumps? Is it because they had tears? You know, people come up here and they just cry. You know, what if I didn't cry? I mean, is the tear what makes me saved? There are people that I've seen walk up here. They never shed one tear. Stood right here stoic. Didn't have one. Look, didn't look like anything touched them in the world. And the next day they were in church. Every time the service, the doors were open, working around the church, paying their tithes, giving to God, turning their life around. Then I've seen people come up here and weep and tell me, this is the church. I know what that means. See you in the millennium. <laughs> Just don't even come back. Never see them again, you know. Uh, you know, so it's none of those things, is it? Now let me tell you how I know I'm saved. See, I know I'm saved. If somebody came to me and they, they took a baseball bat and said, I'm going to smack you across the head today, how are you saved? Do you know you're saved? I could look at them and say, smack me in the head, I'm saved. And if I get that bat out of your hand, I'm going to smack you back. <laughs> how do I know I'm saved? Because I woke up in the morning. I know some of y'all have done this too. You woke up in the morning and kicked that bedpost. Or stomped your foot on the, on the door frame. Some of y'all didn't have Jesus come out at that moment. But I know this. Even though I remember a guy I was working one day. And this fella and I were working, and, and I, was, I was letting him train me to do construction. I, I had bought this house, and I wanted to learn how to do construction. So I hired a contractor, and I worked with him for free every day to learn how to do construction. And so one day, I'm standing there, and this guy takes this, this, this huge hammer, and my hand's holding the board, and he smacked my middle finger. It split in half. Blood spurted out. I know that's kind of gross. But anyway, blood spurted out the middle. And I grabbed it, and I said, Jesus! He looked over and said, I know you're saved. <laughs> I thought, I'm about to show you saved. <laughs> you know, you're like toothpaste. Y'all know this. You're like toothpaste. Whatever's in you when you squeeze is going to come out. <laughs> you know, but you know, at those moments, really tell you the truth, you don't feel safe. Come on. Is there anybody in this room that can say you feel saved 24 hours a day, seven days a week? Anybody can say their mind is not plagued with thoughts that they have to beat down? Let somebody cut you off at the intersection. I've seen that number one sign come up. You're number one, buddy. Seen it. Y'all have too. Some of y'all Christians. Hey, I, sometimes y'all don't know it's me. 
There have been a few of our church members in that, and they didn't know it was me, you know, because I, I got good, you know, and I'm way, oh, Lord, you know, you got to, I let everybody else drive for me. It's not safe for me to drive most of the time. It's just better if somebody else drives, you know, and, and, and if I'm driving, there's a good chance you're going to lose a mailbox somewhere. So anyway, <laughs> I, I don't always feel saved. How do I know? How do I know that I'm saved? How can you know you're saved. Here it is. Here it is. You ready? His spirit bears witness with your spirit that you are a son of God. Now we can talk about the steps to salvation. We can talk about, well, I know he said if I believe in my heart and confess with my mouth the Lord Jesus Christ, I'm saved. And all those things. Those are the steps to salvation. That is what acquires the plan. But how do I know? Because his spirit bears witness with my spirit that I am a son of God. It is his spirit and my knowledge of his spirit and my sense of his spirit, my knowing. I know that I know that I know that I know that I know. Anybody know what I'm talking about? <laughs> huh? You know. It's not based on external things. Nothing externally can indicate your salvation. Now, if you're saved, obviously external things are going to happen. You are going to begin to look like God. You're going to begin to act like God. But that is not salvation. Works don't get you saved. Works accompany salvation. Works are the byproduct of you being saved. You get saved and things change. When you find out there's things that need to change, you change them. And that's discipline, correction, and things that go on. Now, we just said my knowledge of God comes from and my ability to know I'm saved is his spirit bears witness with my spirit. So, I want you to, if you haven't taken notes, some of you are. I want you to write this down. It's very, very important you get this. You are a spirit. You are a spirit. Look at somebody and say, you're a spirit. You are a spirit. You have and possess a soul. You have a soul. You live in a body. You live in a body. Say it with me. I am a spirit. I have a soul. And I live in this body. Now, with the body, you contact the sense realm. With the body, you connect with the earthly things and physical things around you. You have five senses. Taste, touch, smell, hearing, and seeing. Five senses. And that's what is involved with your flesh, with what you live in. The moment your flesh ceases to live, the Bible says you're going to leave this body. Now, either, you know, as a Christian, you are born twice and only die once. As a non-believer, somebody who hasn't accepted Christ, you will be born once and you will die twice. I know that may not make sense to you, but for a believer, they're only going to die once, physical death. For a non-believer, you die spiritually as well. You'll die physically, and you'll also die spiritually. You're going to go to hell if you don't know Jesus. I, don't, I didn't say it. He said it. That's right. Amen. Amen. 
I mean, what can I tell you? I know we avoid those subjects today like the plague, but, you know, I mean, my Lord, it's in the Bible. Shouldn't we teach it? So, so uh, but it is my spirit that will go back to God. Now, let me tell you what the soul is. I said with the body, you contact the physical realm. With the soul, you contact the mental and emotional realm. It is your psyche or your ability to think. It is your mind, will, and emotions. Your soul, mind, will, emotions. But that's not who you are. You are not a mind, will, and emotions. You have one, and you can control it. Now think of this scripture. The Bible says, I pray your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless to the coming of the Lord. Three parts. Spirit was the one listed first. Spirit, soul, body. It didn't go body, spirit, soul. It didn't go soul, spirit, body. It said spirit, soul, and body. Indicating to us that, that there are levels to this. That the spirit being the first. Now, the Bible says this. That you can crucify. Right? What? Who would do that? The soul? No, because if the soul is the mind, will, and emotions, he said, what could we do to that? We could renew it. Now, he didn't say God would do that. He said you would do it. He said you would wash it with the water of the word, see? Now, you, you have to understand, some part of you is in charge. Some part of you is, 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 the real you has to be able to renew its mind. The real you has to be able to crucify the flesh. The real you has to put down every thought that exalts itself against the knowledge of Christ. The real you. So when you get saved, you receive a recreated spirit. You're renewed. You're new. Just as if you never existed. And it's a spirit that, that God's spirit comes and dwells inside of you. Amen. And now you bear witness with his spirit that you are the son of God. But you are not a soul. You are not a flesh. And when we worship God, how would we worship him? In spirit. Now, how does God correct us? How does God teach us? How? With the Word and with the Spirit. With the Word and with the Spirit. Because God is not a flesh. Now how would God deal with me? Through the Word and through the Spirit. How many of you have ever, I mean, I mean I'm going to do this. Now, this is going to be rough. I want you, just do it for me. Understand, I'm not going to have you say it out loud. But I want you right now, if you're born again, I want you to think of a bad word. What happened? What happened? When you, most of you are like, no! I'm not doing it! Didn't that happen to you just then? Didn't it happen to you? Didn't you just sit there all of a sudden and think, I couldn't say something like that. Oh, Lord, I'm in church. I can't even. <gasps> did, is that what happened? I mean, if it didn't, I have an altar, and we will have an altar call following the service. Because if you can sit there and a word or some thought come up in your mind that your spirit doesn't go, hey! And grip you and say, no, you can't do that. See, we override that at times to the point we nullify it. 
You know, if you act out sin constantly and regularly, you'll nullify the voice of God inside of you. And that doesn't mean God's going to come now and have you get hit by a truck. He won't do that. God loves you. And the word, somebody will come and share a word with you. Someone will come and speak God's word into your life. God will use those things. But we first of all need to understand, you are a spirit. You live in a body and you possess and have a soul. Everybody agree with that? Now I hope you got something out of that little diatribe there because it's important for you to understand that God wants to speak to our spirit. And the more we develop our spirit, man, the more Christ-like we will become. The more we'll be able to hear from God, the more relevance He will have in our life, the less likely it will be. I have tuned my spirit up to the point now, you talk about setting the bar low. Man, I'm telling you, my, my boys are not allowed to say, I mean, my wife has gone in there, if y'all been around us, I mean, words like, you know, shut up and dumb are just taboo. That's just, that's the, you couldn't say anything worse than shut up in my house. I owe the jar a quarter twice today already. You understand what I'm saying? But I'm not worried about them going any further. Because we set the bar so And so in the spirit, as you grow your spirit, man, as you begin to develop more and more of your spirit, man, you're going to find the bar. You're not going to be dealing with drugs. You're not going to be dealing with, uh, you know, pornography and illicit sex and, 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 and things like that. You're not, because the bar is too, I mean, you, you're, you're going to stop at the thought. See, every man is drawn away by his own lust, and when lust conceived, it brings forth sin. You are made with lust in you. You're going to be tempted, but you're going to develop your spirit so much so that the temptation will have no foundation in you. It won't be able to take root. It won't be able to develop. Those thoughts and those things won't continue on. You won't, you won't, it won't allow that. So, you're developing your spirit, man. Now, why am I talking about praying in the spirit? Because the... Number one way to develop your spirit is by praying in the spirit. Jude 20. Beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost or in the spirit. So the building up of yourselves comes from praying in the spirit. Unfortunately... Most of, or I shouldn't say most, a great deal of the religious world today has been taught a whole bunch of negative stuff about the Holy Ghost. I started by saying that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, whatever he did, he does. There wasn't a day of miracles. There wasn't a day of prophetic. There wasn't a day or a people. There was only a God of miracles. There is a God of miracles. There is a God of the supernatural, a God that is the same yesterday, and and he'll pour out of his spirit then, he'll pour out of his spirit now, and he'll be pouring it out until we go to meet him in the air. Do, Do you understand what I'm trying to say? But he says, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. Many people have been denied access to the Spirit and to the baptism of the Holy Spirit and praying in other tongues, First, because they've been taught it was of the devil. Many of you in this room are sitting here and have heard somebody tell you praying in the Holy Ghost or praying in other tongues was, <gasps> you shouldn't do that. I can't believe anybody would do such a thing. And yet the Bible is clear, it's full of it. 
History has shown us that praying in other tongues has been throughout history. The Dark Ages, Middle Ages, the turns of the century have all, been, have all experienced praying in other tongues since Acts chapter 2. Praying in other tongues is the expression of praying in the Spirit. I know some would say, I know some have taught that praying in the Spirit means being quiet. Anybody ever heard that? Some have been taught that praying in the Spirit is only for some. God loves Gary. And God will let Gary build himself up, but not me. God will speak expressly to him, and God will give him a language, but he won't give it to me. How does that sound to you? I'd be a little upset with God. That ain't right. If God will allow him to have a spiritual prayer language, why wouldn't he allow me to have one? No, he would. He would allow me to have one. You see, that's why I said at the beginning of this, there have been a lot of lies perpetrated. Some of you are sitting in this room thinking, oh, Lord, I loved it up to here. Now he's talking about praying in tongues. <gasps> what would you have done if you were in the upper room? I can tell you what all 120 of them did. The Bible says that they all, I want you to turn now to Acts chapter 2. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they're the sons of first. I want to I go back, just stay right there on that scripture, but let me say this. Not that one. Go to Acts chapter 2 and start at verse uh, uh, 1. We'll start there. Acts chapter 2, verse 1. But back to that original scripture, just speaking on this. You must identify the Spirit to be led of the Spirit in you and in God. You must know the Holy Ghost, and you must know your Spirit to be led by the Spirit. Does that make sense? There are a lot of people that are lead, to be led, they're led by their head. They have Jesus. They're saved, but... But all they have is their own knowledge. God said we're to be led by the Spirit of God. Not my knowledge, but His. And that's, that's developing the Spirit. Now, Acts chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And the Spirit, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven, as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them. Cloven tongues like as of fire. And it sat upon each of them. And they were all, say, filled. Yeah. Say all. all. How many? All. How many? All. all. There were 120 people in the upper room. And the Bible says they were all. all. That means none of them left there without it. Does anybody understand that? All means all. What's left after all? None. They were all what? Filled with the Holy Ghost. This was not salvation. Salvation comes to believe in your heart, confess with your mouth, the Lord Jesus Christ, you're saved. Jesus had breathed on them and they received the Spirit. This is something not that. Happened on this day. On the day of Pentecost. And here's what it says. They were all filled and I'm going to go ahead and say this because all indicates filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with tongues. So here we go. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and all began to speak with other tongues. As the big S, you see that? Not the little S, but the big S. 
gave them the utterance. Let's go on. Let's keep reading. And there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men, out of every nation under heaven. You see it? When it was noised abroad, the multitudes came together and were confounded. Why? Because they heard every man speak in his own language. And they were all amazed by this and marveled, saying one to another, Behold, aren't these Galileans that are speaking? And how do we hear every man in our own tongue wherein we were born? Now stop here. Now, here's a confusion that comes. The idea that speaking in other tongues has to be understood by the hearers that are hearing it. And it's a mistake. And it's perpetrated by people who don't know what they're talking about. I have had chocolate ice cream. I have. You can tell I have had my share of chocolate ice cream. Say amen. amen. Now, if I had never had chocolate ice cream, I could go to Wikipedia. And I could look up chocolate ice cream, and I could tell you that chocolate ice cream is going to be brown, and it's going to be cold, and I could tell you how it's made, I could tell you the ingredients and all that stuff. You know what I'm saying? And I could put together some formula, but having had chocolate ice cream, if you ask me, I could tell you a lot more about it. It could be smooth, it can be creamy, it can be, ooh. We're going to go to lunch shortly after this. I mean, it can have stuff in it. It can be bitter. It can be sweet. It can be tart. It can be, I mean, think of all the things you know about chocolate ice cream. Could you expect somebody who didn't ever eat chocolate ice cream to be able to tell you about chocolate ice cream? They could just tell you a little bit about it, but they couldn't tell you about it. Now, I am baptized in the Holy Ghost, and I speak with other tongues. I know what that means. I can't, I just don't tell you information about it, stuff that I got out of my head. I've experienced it. I speak in other tongues. I can tell you something some old boy that hadn't been filled with the Holy Ghost that don't speak in tongues can't tell you. And yet they're the ones telling you it's of the devil or it's some, okay, okay, okay. All of them were filled with the Now, here's the thing. Was tongues what was heard? Or was tongues what was spoken? I'm asking. Was tongues what was heard? Or was tongues what was spoken? Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Verse 15, what is it then? I will pray with the Spirit. I will pray with my understanding. Verse 14 says, for if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is what? All right, now, let's go back and let's go to uh, Romans chapter 8. And I want to go to the 25th verse. But if we hope for that we see not, then do we with patience wait for it. 
Likewise, the Holy Spirit, big S, helps our infirmities. For when we don't know what to pray for as we ought, the Holy Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he searches the hearts and knows the mind of the Spirit because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. This scripture where it says, in, uh, which cannot be uttered, the words there indicate that it is tongues. It is tongues that's being spoken of, a language not understood. Now here's the thing. Tongues is not for the listener to understand. When you speak of the word speaking in other tongues, it's about the person speaking. The one speaking does not understand what they're saying. It does not matter whether the one hearing it does or doesn't. It's not, that's not the, the issue. An unknown tongue spoken by somebody is an unknown tongue. By the person speaking it. Do you understand that? Unknown tongues are by the person speaking it. So, so lots of churches have tried to say that, uh, that if you spoke in tongues, somebody would have to understand it. And yet Paul said, when I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prays, but my, my understanding is what? Unfruitful. And so people are sitting in this room. There are people that go into churches. They've been taught speaking in other tongues of the devil. It's not for everybody. And it's certainly something that has to be interpreted by the people sitting around them. That's because the person telling you that doesn't speak in tongues. They don't have a clue what they're talking about. Paul said, I speak in tongues more than you all. And Jude said, praying in the Holy Ghost builds you up. It's necessary for you. It's a desire of God for you to be filled with the Holy Ghost and pray in other tongues. It is his desire. Should everybody be filled? They all were on the day of Pentecost. I was asking the Lord one time, because somebody said, well, how do you know if you're filled with the Holy Ghost? And I had said that I, I believe it was the, the initial physical evidence of the baptism of the Holy Ghost. The way I know that I'm baptized in the Holy Ghost is because I speak with other tongues. The way I know it is I speak with other tongues. Well, there was some discussion about that, that, you know, it might have been their hair standing up, or maybe the shivers, or their, you know, they had gibbering lips or whatever. And so I went to the Lord with it. I said, Lord, is tongues the initial physical evidence of the baptism of the Holy Ghost? And how do I know that? I mean, I believe that, but how do I know that? And this is what I heard in my spirit. Because it was. Acts chapter 2. And they all spoke. How did they know they were filled? They got filled with the Holy Ghost and they spoke with. The evidence given on that day at that moment was what? The first time we ever see it. What happened? They spoke in tongues. Well, are there any other references to that? Well, let's look. Why not? Ready? Let's do it. Let's go over to, while we're looking, turn over here with me. Go to Acts 10.46. Acts 10 46. It's just not enough time. For they heard them speak with tongues 
and magnify God. Then Peter answered. Now preceding this, it says, they knew they were filled with the Holy Ghost because they heard them speak. Turn over to Acts 19. Acts chapter 19, verse 6. Acts chapter 19, verse 6. When Paul laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came on them. And what happened? How did they know? They spoke with tongues and prophesied. Tongues is the accompanying evidence that indicates to us the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I don't know why people are so scared of that. All through the New Testament, they spoke in other tongues. Paul indicates to us in Corinthians that speaking in other tongues is important. Ephesians chapter uh, uh, 6 verse 8. Or let's just look at it. Let's go over there. Let's turn over to Ephesians chapter 6. The best prayer scripture ever written. Well, I shouldn't say that. There are many. But this is great. I mean, if you're going to choose a scripture, there's two of them I would choose. John 15, 7 and Ephesians 6, 18 pretty much wrap up prayer. Here it is. Ephesians 6, 18. 6, 18. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in, what do you see there? But is it a little S or a big one? What's that indicate? The Holy Spirit. We're to pray in the Holy Spirit. We're to pray out in the Spirit. To tune our, 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 to take control of our being by praying in other tongues. Praying in the Spirit is, the, is, a, is, a, is a gift of God given to us. Now here's another confusion, and I'm going to wrap it up with this. Because of the teaching out there, because that everybody's been told, so the devil, this, that, and the other, and all this. You can't do it in church, and you can't this, that. Well, if you can't do it in church, where can you do it? What are you talking about don't do it in church? The Bible said, listen to this. I read to you Romans chapter 8. He said, when we pray in the Spirit, we pray according to the will of God. Is that what you heard? Is that what it said? Put it up there, Romans 8, 26. Oh, let's not pray in Spirit in church now. Because people get confused by that. No, the Bible says it was assigned to an unbeliever. Likewise, the Spirit helps our infirmities for when I don't know what to pray for as I ought. Not when I don't know how. I know the formula to prayer, but I don't always know what to pray. Anybody in this room ever been there? You know to pray to the Father in Jesus' name. You got it, you know. But there are just times when words cannot produce what you need. to. You can't reach it with your articulate language. You can't get there in the natural. There's things that the Spirit knows you don't know. He said when we pray, in, in, as we don't know what to pray for. But the Spirit, say Holy Spirit, Himself makes intercession for us. That word with groanings is tongues, with tongues which cannot be uttered in articulate speech. Look at the next verse. For he knows and searches the heart and knows the mind of the Spirit. Because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Now that the will of God, if you look in there, it's going to go see in your Bible, it's going to be italicized. Means they added it for for for, for purpose. Uh, it is in the original manuscripts. That's not the point. The point is, is that those interpreters that interpreted that added some uh, added clarity to it. They made it a little more clear by saying the will of God. It actually says God. 
according to God. We can leave it will of God or God. Now, if I'm praying in the Spirit, and I'm praying and interceding by the Spirit of God in other tongues, by the Spirit of the Lord, wouldn't it be safe to say that if all of us were praying in tongues, think of this now, if all of us were praying in tongues, inspired by the utterance of the Spirit, we'd be more in line and more connected and more on task than if we did it in our own language. Because we would be praying out the mysteries of God and the will of God literally in other tongues. I don't have to know what I'm saying. I pray in an unknown tongue. My spirit prays. My understanding is unfruitful. How being in the spirit we speak mysteries. But we pray out the will of God. Together corporately when we pray it would even be better that we prayed in the spirit. Because then we would all be praying according to. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? I mean, and people have made it sound like, well, if you're speaking in tongues, you're going to confuse everybody. No, if you get up there and preach in tongues, yeah, that's dumb. That's right. <laughs> I mean, it ain't helping nobody for me to get up there and, pre and preach in tongues. And that's what it was talking about. Don't get up. And, you know, people were getting up in the pulpit in Corinthians, and they got up and preached in tongues, and everybody left and didn't get nothing out of it. Unless you understood it. And obviously, they didn't because they had to stop that kind of behavior. They understood it on the day of Pentecost, but not at that service. D do you see it? Here's the problem. Because everybody lumps tongues, in, tongues into one basket. They get it confused because they don't understand there is the gift of tongues that requires interpretation. And in the book of Corinthians chapter 14, it is, selling, it is telling us there are two distinct things going on in this service. One is a prayer language of the Spirit. One that will build up people. It is the language received when baptized with the Holy Ghost. A person gets baptized with the Holy Ghost, they receive a language that is an unknown language to them. But there is also at that point an opportunity for you now to operate in the gifts of the Spirit. The nine gifts of the Spirit are now operational in your life. You can operate in, in word of wisdom, word of knowledge, tongues, interpretation, prophecy, discerning of spirits. They're all available now as the Spirit gives the utterance or as the Spirit leads. He, as He wills, not as you will. You can't just lay on somebody and get them healed. It's if God wills. You get that? So, so you couldn't just give a message or, or the gift of tongues unless it was the will of the Spirit. And that should be interpreted. And if it's not, usually it's because somebody was immature. The Bible says if a man gives out a message or the gift of tongues, that he should pray he can interpret it if, if, if no one else does because it, he, he needs to be mature enough to do that. Sometimes people aren't mature enough to do that. They give out a tongue. It's not. But a prayer language is what I receive. Now, look, I'm going to do this. I don't want anybody to get freaked out by it. I would not go in the grocery store and walk up and down the aisles and speak in tongues. I wouldn't do it. Because I respect God, respect the things of God more than that, and I don't want to cast my pearls before a shrine. I don't want to make myself out to be an idiot. You understand? Now, you're going to look at me funny, but I could. If you went today and studied Spanish, unless something happened to your brain, you had a car accident or something, and you knew English and you knew Spanish, you'd be dual, bi bilingual. Is that right? You would know... Spanish, you would know, wouldn't you? Okay. Could you speak them whenever you wanted to? Could you even intermingle them? I mean, you could speak some, que paso, how you doing? Could, could you? 
Sure you could. Right? You could mix it up. All right. When I got baptized with the Holy Ghost, a language I did not know was downloaded into me by the Holy Ghost. He said, out of my belly shall flow rivers of living water. So out of my innermost being, the heart, the, 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 the inward man, came this language I didn't know. I'd never learned. Nobody ever taught me. And I began to speak a language that was from heaven. The moment I got that language, I know, I know that language. I know that language. I know it. I absolutely know it. I could, I could, watch, watch. Now that's my language. God gave it to me. You say, how could you? Now, I did not say that was inspired. Knowing the language and having inspiration in the language, two different things. Ready? He said, I'll pray in the Spirit. I'll pray in my understanding. I'll sing in the Spirit. I will sing in my understanding. Didn't he say that? I read that to you out of 1 Corinthians, right? You get it? You ready? Here we go. I'm almost done. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for peanut butter and jelly. Love peanut butter and jelly. I pray today that my wife will make me a peanut butter and jelly sandwich on white Wonder Bread. And I would like grape jelly on that sandwich in Jesus' name. Amen. Was that prayer? Was it prayer? It had the formula, didn't it? I prayed to the Father in Jesus' name. I made supplication to God. I asked him for something, didn't I? Was it spiritual prayer? Was it inspired inspired by God? No. Straight out of my head. Straight out of my head. I know how to pray, so I did it. Wasn't no spirit in that prayer. Even if I went like this, ha! Lord, I pray, ha! For some peanut butter. Hey! And jelly, ha! No spirit in that. No, nothing happened. And you've been there. Most of you have been in this place where you've been praying and you needed something desperately from the Lord and you started down this path of prayer and it was just getting down on your knees and just starting. Lord, Lord, just pray for the president. Father, I ask you. And and all of a sudden it it changed. It was no longer praying. All of a sudden you were over here and you're praying and it's coming out of you and it's out of your heart. Is that right? If you know the language which God downloads into you called the tongues or the baptism of the Holy Spirit it's there and you can pray it anytime because it's a language you now possess you own the God gave you that language he'll never leave you he will never forsake you but just like I did with English you take that prayer language and it may start as a fleshly thing and then the inspiration of the Spirit will come on it and it will change from just out of the head or the knowledge that you have and it will become unction of the Spirit. He said you have an unction of the Holy One and you know all things. It changes from just head stuff and just praying to oh, the presence of God comes in on it and now it's words that come from the Spirit of God. You see, praying in the Spirit will make all the difference in your prayer language. Now look, Mark 16 says this. Here's what it says. 
Now, the only way they get around this one is they have to throw it out. Well, this wasn't really in the Bible. Well, if you're going to throw that out, throw the rest of it out. I don't think you can throw Mark 16 out, and here's what it says. He said, and these signs, say signs, shall follow them who are assemblies of God, who are Pentecostal holiness, who the church of God. These signs shall follow those that believe. Isn't that what it says? Are you a believer? Sure you are. Did you accept Christ? You're a believer. Then these signs follow believers. What? In my name. They're going to cast out devils. You may never have done it, but you have the right to. They shall speak with? New tongues. What's it, what else? I want you to read it. Verse 18. They'll take up serpents. Now this doesn't mean we're passing snakes. You bring a snake in here next week, I'm leaving. I'm out of here. That snake handling business, let them have it in Arkansas. It ain't coming here. This is South Carolina and I'm not having it. No, it's, it, it indicates to us what's happening here several occasions. I've heard of many stories like this, but Paul, when he was there on the island, and he reached into the fire, and the viper came up and bit him on the hand. He had no medical ability. He had no, and the Bible says it, they were amazed because it didn't kill him. There's a protection there that God says we're going to be protected and say, we don't try God, but if an event like that happens, we have to lean on God. Somebody say amen. So they'll take up serpents and it won't hurt them. Uh, they'll drink no deadly thing. You know, at times you'd be on the mission field and end up with water that had dysentery in it or something. God will protect you and keep you safe and keep you alive. Somebody say amen. amen. But don't go be drinking poison. I'll preach your funeral. Glad to do it. Did y'all hear my story? No, I better not talk. All right. And then it says, what else? No, and it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on. Now that's all right. We have the name of Jesus. We can lay hands on the sick. How many of us can do it? Everybody who believes. Everybody who believes. It's amazing how many people say, oh, stuff's done away with. Not for today. Are you a believer? It's not done away with. And they shall, glory to God, recover. Now, it is indicated to us that if we're believers, then we'll speak in new tongues. Let me just say this. On several occasions, I've had things happen. I remember one time my mom was at my church in, in, uh, in our home church. And my pastor began to speak in tongues, and he started saying this. Bula, 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 bula. I thought, man, what is that? And I'll never forget this. My mom came to me afterwards. She said, you know, he was Speaking in my native language, my mom's from Tonga. She said he was saying, it's blowing up like a balloon. It's blowing up like a balloon. It's filling up like a balloon. Now, he didn't know that. I, I don't know what language tongues is or your tongue will be. I don't know that it, it could be a heavenly language. It could be an earthly language. It could be an out of, out of, I mean, maybe an ancient language. It could be, we don't know. The point is that those who speak in tongues don't know. It does not matter whether the hearer knows or not. And so I want us to stop being afraid of this. 
I want to take all of the, 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 the stigma off of speaking in tongues. People are afraid to come to Holy Ghost churches because they pray in tongues. And yet the Bible's filled with it. It's a blessing to the believer. It is an opportunity for you. If you're not baptized in the Holy Ghost, you do not have to be baptized in the Holy Ghost. You do not, as a Christian, have to speak in tongues. Nowhere does it say you can only go to heaven if you speak in tongues. It's not in there. But it is a benefit to every believer. Why would you pass on healing? Why would you pass on blessings and prosperity? Why would you pass? And especially, why would you pass on the baptism of the Holy Ghost and the blessings of speaking in other tongues? And I want to encourage you, if you're in this room, I hope that maybe I've shed some light on this. Maybe you've heard all kinds of stigmas and stories. I'll tell you that one of, the, one of my greatest experiences as a born-again believer is being able to pray in other tongues. My prayer life is so much deeper. It's so much more full. And He helpeth my infirmities. For when I don't know what to pray for as I ought. Thank you, Jesus. The Spirit Himself makes intercession through me with groanings which cannot be uttered in articulate speech how many received anything today hallelujah